Well, thank you, April. What a joy to hear that report. Amen? Yeah, let's clap for that. I think we can do that. Everybody awake this morning? I hope so. I'm not going to make everybody stand up, but I've got an exciting word for us, and I'm getting a little, I'm I'm moving around, so look out. (laughs) My wife, Kim, always right, just, just contain it, so I'll do my best. All right, so uh, before we get into the word, though, uh, in light of um, some things April's just shared, I wanted to also celebrate a few things financially. If you were at our uh, vision night this past week, we shared some of this, but not everybody was there. And I want to hit a couple, couple highlights and, and just recap a couple things uh, about that. First of all, if you missed it, you can get online and see the whole thing. You can even do this thing and like fast forward to the good parts if you want. But I wanted to highlight a couple things financially. I wanted to celebrate and thank you for your generosity. First of all, when we looked uh, last year at the start, we thought with the transition of the gathering place and all these things, we might end up in the red. That means I'm not a finance guy, but that means a loss. That means a deficit, right? We ended in the black. Amen? All right? That's a praise. That's a great thing to celebrate. I'm, I'm, I'm using like super complicated financial terms here, right? Red is generally black, bad. Black is good. All right? So we can celebrate that. Also, we were able to build up our cash reserves to about two months of our operating uh, cash, which is great. And uh, in the process over the year, we were able to pay off a line of credit, which means we're debt-free. Amen? We've got money in the bank, and we've got a, 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 a good foundation to start 2022. All right? We've got a lot of work to do. We've got good stuff. And here's what's also just super encouraging to me. Since September, when we started to be a little bit more intentional about, uh, you know, hey, part of being a disciple, part of following Jesus is, is giving back financially, and that is part of your own walk, my own walk, our own walk as a follower of Jesus, and it grows the kingdom and does all the things like uh, April was talking about. Since that time, we've had at least 40 first-time givers. That's a step. That's a big step. So we praise God for that. Also, when I, we think about uh, the, the 2022 in the new year ahead, and we, we feel like as a, as a leadership team, God has really led us and is challenging us to really drill down on what matters most to us and what our vision. So we, we, we've talked about we are a community. I like that word Community. That's in the title of our church. When we say CCG, it starts with Community Church of Greenwood. So we're in this together. We don't all have it figured out. We've got, we're at different stages in our walk, different backgrounds, all the things. But we are a community who sees and shares the hope of Jesus together. That's who we are. That's who we are aspiring to be. And we've talked about really four areas that you can see in that, all right? First of all, we want everyone growing. We want everyone growing. As I said on Wednesday, my metric is everyone. (laughs) It's not like 70%. I want everyone, all right? We got to figure out where we are and where we want to take people, but I want everyone. We want everyone growing. So we want everybody in some environment 
of spiritual growth, whether it's a class, whether it's a small group, but we want everyone growing. We want everyone serving, all right? We have wonderful opportunities at this church to serve, to use your gifts, to say, this is how God has created me. These are my unique gifts and passions. This is, whether it's teaching, whether it's, it's greeting, whether it's holding babies in the nursery, whatever that may be, we have a place for you. Not just because we have a bunch of needs to fill, but it's part of your growth as a follower of Jesus. So we want everybody growing. We want everyone serving. We want everyone giving. All right, I already talked about that, but it's exciting to see people take steps from not giving at all to giving to the first time, to being sporadic, to regular, regular just to like generous, like I am overflowing. And then finally, we want everyone sharing. The message of Jesus is too good to keep inside. Amen? So we've got, we want that at a personal level as we talk about global and local impact when we give and the ways that we can go out and support our impact partners. And as a church, okay, we want to continue to equip and challenge, you know, how do you do that at the personal level? But there are three areas that in 2022 we want to really focus on. All right, we've talked about family ministry. It's, I think it's more challenging than ever to be a parent, to be a kid. So how do we build the right programs, the right systems to take care of and equip families inside the walls and families in our community? How do we do that? So we're going to put some more resources into that. Also, we talk about those who are, uh, have kind of walked away or are disconnected from church. How do we reach out? How many of you know somebody in this community who's kind of walked away a little bit? I know many of you do. Okay, how do we connect those people? How do we have a place where you can ask questions and you can deal with your doubts and and all that stuff? And then finally, how do we help people who are struggling right now in the mental health space? That's a real area right now. I believe that's the crisis of our time in many ways. In our particular context, how do we provide hope? How do we encourage? How do we provide resources for those? We all have mental health. <laughs> and I think we all at some level have some challenges. So how do we actually do that? So as we seek to be a community who sees and shares the gospel, I mean, it is the gospel, but it's the hope of Jesus together, everybody growing, everybody serving, everybody giving, everybody sharing. That's the cry of my heart. That's the cry of our heart. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in that. Amen? All right, we got, we got a sermon to preach, so I better get after it a little bit here. All right, so let's... Uh, April, uh, April set this thing up, and I want to dive in. Last week, we had this encounter with a woman from Samaria. She was an outsider. She was an outcast. There were many things that separated her, just culturally and all kinds of ways. Today we're going to look at Nicodemus. He's an insider. He is the insider of insiders. And let me ask you today, as you think about your own experience with church, did you grow up more as an outsider or an insider? 
In some ways, we're, we're wired uh, differently. How many of you were like hall monitors growing up? That was more you, a rule follower. How many of you spent more time in detention than, uh, you know, taking care of the hall here? So we tend to be wired a little bit differently. We tend to be naturally a little bit more of a rule breaker, a little bit more of a rule follower. This morning we're going to look at an insider. We're going to look at somebody who followed the rules. Now, as we dive in, I want to go back uh, for a second, though, and I want you to think about this. And April alluded to it, but whether you're an outsider, an insider, whatever your past, who needs the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus? Everybody, everybody, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs that hope. Now, it was interesting. I was reminded, um, taught this text about three and a half years ago. We were in a series in um, the book of John, and the world has changed just a little bit in the last few years. And I was reminded of that. And as I was thinking through and planning this message and saying, God, what do you want me to share today? What do, we, what do you want me to share with this group? And hey, if you're joining us online, I'm so glad that you're tuned in. But, but Jesus, what do you want me to share today? And I was reminded of this simple truth. Our world is getting more complex. It's more complicated. It's more connected in weird ways. But the truth of God is clear. The profound identity of who Jesus Christ is and how we ought to live, the more we get into it, is absolutely clear. I think we can say amen to that. Last week I gave you a challenge. And it's, it's like super awesome to hear from some of you about that challenge. I said, look, let's take an hour a day and let's make a substitution. Let's, let's put social media, let's put uh, any kind of media, any kind of TV, whatever, aside for an hour, and let's dive in specifically to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, let's just take an hour. And some of you came back and said, hey, Jason, I did that, and I wanted to share just a couple. Uh, one relatively newer believer getting into the Word really for the first time, but also literally has some challenges seeing the Word. Bought a little magnifying thing and is looking at it and understanding God's word and growing in the midst of some challenges. And somebody on the other end who's followed Jesus for a long time and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn off sports talk radio in the afternoon. I won't even say what the show was. Some of you have probably listened to it. And I'm going to replace that with listening to God's word. I said, wow, what a difference it makes when I listen to God's word, when I can see God's word clearly. Because I believe this, the clearer we are, the more that we think from the inside out, the more that we start 
with God's word, not with the outside, not with our circumstances, not with all these other things that are coming in, but the more clearly we are starting with Jesus, the more closely we can follow him. Now, let's go to John 3. Let's go to John 3. Again, uh, let's talk context. Jesus has performed this miracle at the wedding of, uh, at Cana. He's turned the water into wine. And then he did an interesting thing. He went to, into the temple. And they're um, exchanging, you know, they're selling all the animals to sacrifice. And it's this big marketplace and exchange. And he kicks everybody out. He says, don't turn my father's house into a market. And then all the powers that be said, hey, Jesus, who are you? On what authority do you do this? Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Those are big words. Now, so he's stirred things up. Jesus right now is in the middle of a cultural war. And he's going to have some important things to say. Now, I want to take you to John 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, let's talk about Pharisees for a moment. For many of you, that's a familiar term. Some of you, it may be new. Some of us may have, I know I do this sometimes, I have a caricatured view of the Pharisees. I think they were just a bunch of stodgy rule keepers. And they had some of that in them. But also this, when we look at Nicodemus and we look at the Pharisees, what did the Pharisees know? Well, first of all, they would have known the whole Old Testament, the, all of the Hebrew Scriptures. Probably had it memorized, plus some. That's impressive. Highly educated, highest degrees if they had them back then. Wealthy, older, a deep passion for the Scriptures. Now let me give you a little historical context here. I want to take you back to about 200 years before the birth of Jesus. The king of Syria had made it his mission to impose everything about Greek culture into Jerusalem. In other words, this, this faith in Yahweh, this faith in the Old Testament, this faith in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the stories that pointed to Yahweh, the temple, all these things, this king said, no, I'm going to stamp it out. All your festivals, your Sabbath, your circumcision, all these things, I'm going to make this illegal. In fact, I'm going to put you to death if you follow these customs. Talk about a cultural war. Now, the final straw, the final blow, was Antiochus, this, this king of Syria, goes into the, you know, the holy place in the temple, and he brings a pig, which if you know anything about Jewish laws, that's, that's an unclean animal, you just don't do those things, slaughters the pig on the altar and says, Zeus, the Greek god, is in charge. Wow. 
Rather than stamping it out, that stirred everybody up a little bit. And a guy named Judas Maccabeus led this revolt, and they cleansed the temple. If you've heard of Hanukkah, it has to do with celebrating that. But it's in this tradition that the Pharisees came out of. Because what happened was there were two groups of people, the Essenes and the Pharisees, and the Essenes said, hey, we're going to, in the midst of all this cultural influence, we're going to go into the caves, we're going to just kind of keep to ourselves, we're going to isolate and follow the law. But the Pharisees said, no, we're going to do what's right in the midst of the people. We're not going to escape, we're not going to separate, we are going to fight to do what's right with the people. So this is Nicodemus. This is the tradition that he comes from. Passion for the law, passion for God's word, and a passion for doing what is right. So he's going to have this encounter with Jesus. So let's continue. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if you were not with him. So Nicodemus, high up on the scale, high up on knowledge, talking to Jesus. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now, how would Nicodemus have viewed Jesus? Where does Jesus come from? Nazareth. Hick town. What are Jesus' degrees? Not there. He's done some things. He stirred some things up. But really? Really? Now, Nicodemus comes at night. Why do you come in the night? To hide. You don't want to be seen. He didn't want everybody else to see him. Or maybe he just wanted some time one-on-one with Jesus? Was he sent as a representative, perhaps? He's curious. Jesus replied, verse 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus, Jesus, I want you to think about this response. Jesus just cuts right to the chase. (laughs) There's not a lot of niceties. There's no, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time for us to have this meeting. No, right away, you must be born again. One of the things about Jesus, Jesus always leads us to the conversation that we need to have. And this is what he's going to do with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you think you see, but you don't see at all. You must be born again. You must be born again. Now, how does he respond? How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, does Nicodemus understand what a metaphor is? He does. He's not obtuse. But this is such a staggering word picture 
that he's trying to absorb it. How is this possible? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So how do we understand this? Born of the water, born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, there is a spiritual rebirth that needs to take place. you got to start over. I don't care what your record is. You've got to start all the way over. Now, you're a teacher. You know the Hebrew Scriptures. So Jesus is going to say, let me take you to school a little bit here. Water in the Spirit. I want to take you to Ezekiel 36, verse 24, which Nicodemus would have had in his mind. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, capital S, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. All right, Nicodemus, you know the whole Hebrew scriptures. Here you go. You ought to have known how this would fit together. He continues back to the conversation. Verse 8, the wind blows whenever it, wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Some, some scholars say in, the, in this encounter, the wind was probably actually blowing. And as Jesus often does, whatever he has available, he will use as a teachable moment. So when you think about the Spirit, you can see the effects, but you may not understand fully the source. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. He's curious. Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, But still, you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus, Hick from Nazareth, upstart, disciples. You don't understand what we're about here. You're at the top. You're the insider. But you don't see. You don't understand. Verse 12, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? I'm trying to make this concrete for you, Nicodemus. But if you can't understand this, how how could I share with you the greater stuff? For all your learning, you don't see it yet. Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. 
Nicodemus, you haven't been there. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I'm going to give you one more example, Nicodemus. Let me take you to Numbers 21, verse 6. Where does this come from? Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now what may seem like an obscure Old Testament reference to us was clear for Nicodemus. This is what's happening. You, too, need to be saved. You, too, are a sinner. For all that you know about the law, for all that you know about this whole deal, you too are a sinner. You too need to be saved. Paul tells us in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are in need of salvation. Now, we're going to break to verse 16. Most scholars say this is probably where the conversation ends. We didn't have quotation marks back in the day. So Jesus is going to be, uh, or, or John, the writer, is going to be sharing this more broadly. And he says this in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have, de- have done has been done in the sight of God. Now, these are familiar words to many of you today. Born again, John 3.16. You can't turn on a game where you don't see some John 3.16 banner. So how are we going to respond today? First of all, let me give you Nicodemus's response. The uh, Samaritan woman, she hears the truth, leaves her jar, and goes into the town and just shares it. Nicodemus, it's going to take him a minute. Because he's got a lot at stake. He has a lot at stake. But we know in John 7... All the rulers are gathered around. They, hey, what are we going to do with this Jesus? And he said, hey, we can't condemn somebody without at least a trial here. 
And all the rulers say to Nicodemus, hey, are you from Galilee too? And then we see this beautiful picture, beautiful in John 19. Jesus has died. Who's there to take down the body and put it in the tomb? Two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. So I believe we see this progression in Nicodemus. Now let me ask you today, how will you respond? Some of you may simply say, you know what? I'm in church. I've been at it a little bit, but I just can't accept this truth. I'm going to reject it. Maybe there's people in your lives who have said that. And I've said, as I've said a couple times, if you're going to reject it, at least know what you're rejecting. Know what you're rejecting. Don't, don't reject a caricature. Don't reject something that is filtered through the hypocrisy of us. But do an investigation. Others of you this morning, as you, as you hear this, the concept of being born again, the concept of starting over, sounds really, really good. Because my life right now is really, really hard, and I'm at the end of my rope. Why wouldn't I want to start over? Why wouldn't I want another chance? Because what I'm doing now is not working. If that's you, you can simply <laughs> say, Jesus, come. I'm a sinner. I, I don't have it figured out. I, I, can't, I, I can't do this. Save me. Rescue me. But others of you, you're, you're a little bit more like Nicodemus. And as you think about this, you know what, this, this concept of actually being born again, of actually starting over and having a whole new life is hard because you've got something to lose. You're like, i got a, I got a pretty good life right now. I'm making some money. I'm reasonably happy to, to kind of how do I really follow Jesus? What do I have to give up? Because I think my record's pretty good. What this encounter with Nicodemus tells us is that it's not your record that matters. Your record is not going to save you. Your reputation is not going to save you. Your education is not going to save you. You too have to be born again. Others of us this morning, you've, you've yeah, I've done that. I've, I've, I've put my faith, I've put my trust in Christ. And I'm like, what, what, what is this message for me? What is this message for me this morning? And, and I, I go back to uh, April's challenge at the beginning in thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Does my life give evidence of what I believe? Does my profession of faith, does my simple statement that says, I'm going to accept this message of John 3.16, I'm going to 
believe in Jesus. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Does my life give evidence of that? Last time I counted, there were nine fruit of the Spirit, and they all fit together. And as I, I was reminded, uh, J-O-Y, this is joy. <laughs> Delora actually gave this to me this morning, which I thought was really sweet. Why? Because as I've, I've done some self-reflection, as I've looked at where I am, sometimes I struggle with joy. Maybe for you it's patience, it's faithfulness, it's goodness, it's self-control. Whatever that may be, you may have a struggle. And how do we take this message? How do we take the simple message of believe in Jesus and grow closer to Him? Well, I pray, (laughs) I get in God's Word, and I'm around other people who remind me. I'm going to put this in my office and say, hey, are you living in joy? It's not just trying harder to be more joyful. It's I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and my joy comes from the inside out. Not the outside in, not what's around me. What's going to happen to our circumstances in 2022? Who knows? Who knows what will come our way? But does your joy, does your love, does your peace, does your patience, does it come from the inside out? And my friends, when we're filled with the Spirit, when that is what is leading us and guiding us, it's just natural for us to share. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you This morning, we come thankful for your word, thankful for its promise of salvation, thankful for its encouragement. And as we continue our worship, may your spirit continue to guide us, comfort, and convict as only you can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.